0: welcome back to the textual talk podcast well, i'm your host hd the podcast where we talk about cybersecurity, tech careers business and much much more in today's episode we're going to talk about how 23andme is trying to shift blame from them to the consumers on getting their accounts hacked why gen z is struggling in their interviews what's one of the main things that execs look for hiring from a goldman sachs exec what it means to move up in corporate America. Do you have to cut your hair? Do you not have to cut your hair? And should you hire a resume writer? So sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Textual Talk podcast. It's episode 113. I'm your humble and gracious host, HD. This is the first podcast episode of 2024. We're through the first week of 2024, so I just want to talk about some things, but First and foremost, I thank all the subscribers, all the listeners, everybody who's been supporting and engaged with the channel. Keep it up. We're trying to take this channel up to the next level this year. So one of the things I ask you guys to do, is go ahead and hit that subscribe button, like, share it out to people you think might find this information useful. And also, if you love our in-person episodes that we've been doing, please subscribe to the Patreon, donate some money to the cause. This is the way that we ensure that we keep on bringing you guys high quality content and high quality guests. And so that's one of the ways I'm going to do this. But today, I just want to read different articles, different topics that came up over like the first week of 2024, and we can just discuss them. You guys can listen. And also, give me your feedback in the comments or leave a review of what you think about what's happening today. So one of the first articles that I want to look into is, uh, it was talking about Gen Z has been having struggles with uh, interviews and everything else. I think it's from the New York Post. Gen Z grads are taking job interviews, struggling to find full-time positions. There's a study. Let me zoom in on here real quick and put my blue lights on real quick. Ugh. Recent college graduates are failing at job interviews. According to a new study, developmental setbacks from various factors have appeared to delay communication skills among Gen Z grads. Uh, so one of the things that people complain about with Gen Z is their lack of social skills. Like they said, communication skills and it's just a new age. And I think and what I've experienced as a millennial, we still have older mindset people that are doing these interviews and they don't know how to interview us like they should. And that's one of the things. So they can say that it's a, something wrong with the communication skills. But I really believe that things are changing and just the way that Gen Z, Gen A and some of the younger millennials were raised. And how we learned does not translate over to traditional interviewing styles. But I'm going to keep on reading the article. In a December 2023 study, the New Jersey-based research group, Intelligent, surveyed 800 U.S. managers, directors, and executives who are involved in hiring. The respondents reported that Gen Z candidates struggle to pick up professional cues, causing 39% of employers to favor hiring older candidates. About 60% of employers said they are willing to offer more benefits and pay higher salaries to attract older workers rather than recent grads. So this is a trap. I would like to see how old these people are who are doing the interviews because there are different things. I can do things that boomers and Gen X won't pick up on and so I can say, I want young people. See how biased that is? What are they actually asking them? It boils down to can they perform the duties of the job? If they cannot do that, then sure, don't hire them. But if they can do it, don't be biased just based on because they don't respond the way that you want them to. I think that's a big issue that I'm implying that's happening right here. That's not being said. For the same reason, 48% of employers are offering remote or hybrid positions to older employees and 40%, 46% are willing to hire over overqualified candidates, according to the new study. One in five employers reported that recent college grads are generally unprepared when it comes to interviewing for a job. Listen, hang on. I need to go big real quick. Pause. You know why they're not prepared? Because college don't prepare you to interview. College teaches you a whole bunch of random things. And unless you have like clinicals or something as well really showing you a, a certain skill set, they're not showing you how to interview. You got to learn on your own. And, and this is why some people may say college is a scam. Because the real power of college is building up a network of people that's going to be future... Building up, a, building up a network of people that will be like future managers supervisors business leaders owners you name it that's the real benefit and perk of college but if we're being totally honest here it's not showing you how to interview i didn't have an interview class we had a business communications class and that class didn't really help me my resume was not that good it was pretty much a high level general resume like everybody else's it didn't cater to being in a technical role and so that's one of the things of course i struggled interviewing too i didn't know how Nobody's teaching them how. That's why I exist. I show college kids. I show people, early career professionals, mere career professionals. I show them how to interview. So I don't like that. I don't like that. That's why I had to go big and get this off right here. That's crazy. Of course they're not prepared. And so that's an indictment on the actual school system and not Gen Z. So all I just want them really to just, like, do I have a hat by me? I was going to put a hat on for the cap. But that's cap. I'm, I'm going to go back and share the uh, the thing now. One second. More than half an employer survey said Gen Z can struggle the most with eye contact during interviews. Okay. What type of interviews are these? Are these virtual? Because if you're virtual, then a lot of people don't have a setup like me. I have. When I interview, I use this camera that I'm talking to you guys on. So I know how to remain opposition because I'm looking at a screen that's showing me I'm looking at you straight. If they have a different type of camera, they may not be doing eye contact because the camera might be different. So I feel like this bias. Candace and his age group also asked for unreasonable salaries and have dressed and probably for in-person interviews, according to about half of the study respondents. OK, now I will tell you guys I'm with them on unreasonable. And that's because this is a social media age. A lot of these kids think they're worth more than they're actually worth. So that is the issue. But that's an issue created by social media. That's I, that is now that's that's not on employees. A lot of these kids not worth what they think they are. And they need—they do not to be humble, like oh, you should just have this. But they need to get skills first, and then require what they need. A lot of them ain't got no skills. Also, I will also agree on the dressing part. It's just a different time, but you got to look presentable. Like people know how to look presentable, so they got to cut the BS with that. You got to look presentable in person. I'm sorry, you can't—you can't go up there just wearing anything. You gotta—it's just thing when you go outside and how you dress up, your hair, everything, take pride in how you look. If you don't take pride in how you look, they're going to say, okay, are they really serious about this job? Do they want to work here? Why are they dressing? Why are they here like they don't care? I like, think about it. You've seen so many people, if I'm going to go to the gas station, I'm going to have on some sweatpants, a t-shirt or something because I'm going to the gas station. I ain't trying to work there. But back in the day, when I was in person, I was suited and booted. Watches on, haircut, everything. And this is when I was unemployed. So I, I agree. I agree. Y'all got to learn how to dress. And let's see what's this is a, let's see what's on the rest of this interview. Even virtual inter- virtual interviews have posed issues with 21% of employers reporting that some candidates refuse to turn on their cameras. Now, you got to turn your camera on for an interview. I'm sorry, you just do. I don't like being on camera either being virtual. But for an interview, they got to at least see who you are. Because since 2020, other people have been interviewing for y'all and then they get the job and then something happens and somebody gets fired. Y'all got to turn your camera on. It's policy at this point. So you're going to automatically X yourself out of job This was being difficult. Nearly 20 percent of employers said they've even had a recent college grad bring a parent to interview. Interesting. Two in three employers reported that Gen Z employees are unable to manage their workloads, while about six percent said they are frequently late to work and often miss assignment deadlines. Sixty-three percent of employers consider Gen Z employees to be entitled, while 58 percent said they get offended too easily and are overall unprepared for the workforce. Employers are also noted that the youngest employees lack like professionalism, do not respond well to feedback, and have poor communication skills. Almost half of employers in the survey said they fired a recent college graduate. All right, let's get back big real quick because I like this. Now, this is a lot. Now, I will say Gen Z is different. When I was fresh out of college, so I might have been 21, 22 at the time, I was helping coach youth football, one on my cousins' football teams. Because these kids are around the same age as my younger brothers, who are 19 to 18 now. And I did see that these kids are softer than kids from my generation. And that's because times were different. Also, I don't think they're actually getting offended easily. The culture, people are used to talking to people any way they want to. And my generation on down, we're not letting that slide. So you could think I'm getting offended, but I'm like, no, you're not going to talk to me like that. That's not getting offended. That's telling you, you're going to respect me. When it when it passes, you're not respecting me. You talk to me how you think you want to talk to me or all the little slick stuff they like to do in corporate. That's not being offended. So that is a little bit wishy washy. Now, when they say, oh, um, they can't manage certain things. Now. I think this is key. All the stuff that they did throughout life is a little bit different. These kids were coddled to an extent because when they came up, everybody got participation trophies and everything, so it's a little bit different. We had to earn everything. It wasn't always, no, oh, here you go, just for applying. Nah, it's winners and losers. Either you number one or you didn't win. So I will say that. So I'm with them on some of the stuff, but that comes with experience. Like, even with me, they said uh, they lack like professionalism. and work. One of the best things that happened for me, and hear this out, guys, because a lot of y'all are young, and y'all this one of the best things that happened for me was working at Target. From, how old was I? From 19 to 21, I worked at Target. And this was in between either school or on breaks. But I learned a lot of stuff about communication, customer service skills, professionalism, fun working in retail on how to treat people. This translated over to when I first got my help desk job and on now. Some of these kids need to go get jobs, but they do not have professionalism. They don't. I, and I also know I've been seeing that they get upset that a lot of Gen Z talks with a lot of abbreviations that people don't understand. People can say that it's a lack of professionalism. I think it's just getting with the times is a little bit different. If the, if you don't like the acronyms, then you should tell them, hey, try to spell this out for me or do this or do that. So all in all, I'm going to just say, like, I get it, but there is... It's just it's just too different. Like it's not gonna change until people like my age or, um, and like we like run majority of everything to kind of help stuff. If not, they're gonna always run into these problems. Let's briefly look at the reasons why they think they might be struggling, and let's see if I was on the mark with any of them, and then we're gonna get on to some of the other articles. So, in a separate August 2023 intelligence survey, 62% of respondents said culture is the primary reason that many recent color grads are unprepared. Half the respondents blame parenting. (laughs) 48% said the COVID pandemic is the culprit, and 46% said educators are the root of the problem. I agree. COVID was different. You put a lot of kids that had to do school virtually, and um, stuff has changed for them. Parenting is an issue, too, uh, because a lot of parents did not parent. They were busy working or whatever, electronics. I will not blame educators because educators got a hard job, and they don't get paid enough for it. So I'm not blaming them. Human resources expert Natalie E. Norfis, founder of the Norfis Film in Miami, Florida, who was not involved in the news study, so pointed a finger at parents, the pandemic, and shifting priorities of employees or employers. In this day and age, employers are far less willing to invest the effort and money it takes to train and experience workers because the demands on production are an all time high and average workplace tenures are lower, she said in the email sent to Fox News Digital. We've heard several managers say they don't want to waste time training someone who's just going to leave. That's BS. Um, I'm going to put this article in the description i'm not gonna go through it anymore it seems like it's a long article i didn't even know it's this long um but yeah that that's really how i feel about that That, that's kind of crazy to me well it's not crazy but it's just different you're i see why they are struggling i see why they're talking on tiktok about what they're dealing with is you know it's hard out here it's hard out here um one of the things i want to talk about one of the bigger things let me see if i could just share like this one second so as you guys know 23andme Had a breach last year. For those of you that don't know what 23andMe is, it's one of those ancestral DNA sites where you can see what your DNA traces back to. I never trusted that. Them people can tell me I belong to anything. Honestly, I feel like I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but who knows what they're really doing with that stuff. That's why I would never just trust it. But they say that the hack was on, I believe, consumers. We're going to read the article real quick because this is is crazy if this is what they're really going to stand on. If they're going to stand on business like this. Let's go. 23andMe tells victims it's their fault that their data was breached. Wow. Facing more than 30 lawsuits from victims of its massive data breach, 23andMe is now deflecting the blame to the victims themselves in an attempt to absolve itself from any responsibility. Rather than acknowledge its role in data security disaster, 23andMe has apparently decided to leave its customers out to dry while downplaying the seriousness of these events. Hassan Savari, one of the lawyers representing victims who received a letter from 23andMe. In December, 23andMe admitted that hackers had stolen the genetic and ancestry data of 6.9 million users, nearly half of all its customers. That's crazy. They should be out of business at this point. The data breach started with hackers accessing only around 14,000 user accounts. The hackers broke into the first set of victims by brute forcing accounts with passwords that were known to be associated with targeted customers a technique known as credential stuffing. From these 14,000 initial victims, however, the hackers were able to then access the personal data of other 6.9 million victims because they had opted into 23ME's DNA relatives feature. This optional feature allows customers to automatically share some of their data with people who are considered their relatives on their platform. In other words, by hacking to only 14,000 customer accounts, the the hackers subsequently scrape personal data of another 6.9 million customers whose accounts were not directly hacked. But in a letter sent to a group of hundreds of 23 andme users who are now suing the company, 23andMe said users (laughs) negligently recycled and failed to update their passwords following the the past security incidents, which are unrelated to 23andMe. Okay. Let's stop sharing really quick. This is definitely how you try to shift the blame. and, And no way is this on consumers. Sure. It is my fault as an end user. If my password is something that's easily guessable as you can find in a dictionary or just do software that crack it. Cool. But are there other parameters that you guys have set up in place for customers accounts? Does it have the authentication? Does it automatically block risky sign-ins? Does it automatically say, Hey, did you just log in from here? Was this you? Secondly, it's on you, on your fault. It's a control that you guys did not set up to let them access other people's information or scrape it by pretty much breaching 14,000 accounts. These are end-user accounts now. Where, what are you guys monitoring when you start seeing 14,000 accounts possibly be accessed from places you probably don't recognize? What's going on? I know there has to be a division that's monitoring like those end-user accounts. It has to be. There, there's a department for that. Because initially that is hackers going to your system, not internally, it's externally in a sense, because it's not the internal employees. However, these are customers. So this is still on 23andMe, because you should have noticed the trend here before you want to say, oh, well, it's all fault. No, nah, they shouldn't have been able to access anybody else's information. Should only been able to access whatever account they were in. I'm going to go back to this article and we're going to keep on reading. 91. So they say, therefore, the incident was not a result of 23andMe's alleged failures to maintain reasonable security measures. No. Zeveree said, 23andMe is shamelessly blaming the victims of the data breach. This fingerprint is non-cynical. 23 me know, this fingerprint is non-cynical. 23andMe knew or should have known that many consumers use recycled passwords and thus that 23andMe should have implemented some of the many safeguards available to protect against credential stuffing especially considering that 23andMe stores personal identify information, health information, genetic information on this platform. Savari said in the email, he's right. He's totally right. This should be one of the most secure places that you have to log into for that very reason. The breach impacted millions of customers who data was exposed to the DNA relatives feature on 23andMe's platform, not because they use recycled passwords. Of those million, only a few thousand accounts were compromised due to credential stuffing. 23 Me attempt to shrink responsibility by blaming its customers does nothing for these millions of consumers whose data was compromised through no fault of their own whatsoever, said Zavari. In response to 23 Me letter, Dante Turmos, a 23andMe customer who was impacted by the data breach, told TechCrunch that he found it appalling that 23andMe is attempted to hide from consequences instead of helping its customers. 23andMe lawyer argued that the stolen data cannot be used to inflict monetary damage against the victims. The information that was potentially accessed cannot be used for any harm, as explained to the October 6, 2023 blog post, The profile information that have been accessed related to the DNA relatives features which the customer cre- creates and chooses to share with other users on 23andMe's platform. Such information will only be available to the plaintiffs affirmatively elected to share this information with other users via the DNA relatives feature. Additionally, The information that the unauthorized actor potentially obtained about plaintiffs could not have been used to cause, what's that word, Percussionary harm. It did not include their social security number, driver's license number, or any payment of financial information. He later read, 23andMe and and one of his lawyers did not respond to Ted Crunch for comment. After the breach, 23andMe reset all customer passwords and require required all customers use multi-factor authentication. That should have been a control from the jump, like I already stated. In an attempt to preempt the inevitable class action lawsuit of mass arbitration claims, 23andMe changed its term service to make it more difficult for victims to band together. When filing a legal claim against the company, lawyers experienced representing the data breach. Victims told TechCrunch that the changes were cynical and self-serving and a desperate attempt to protect itself and defer customers from going after the company. Clearly, the changes won't stop. Okay. Here we go. What happened? Let's see something. Where did they access again? Real quick. Let me get see exactly what they stole. So, they got display names, relationship labels, birth years, self-reported location, and whether the user decided to share that information. Okay. So, I'm going to tell you, regardless if they want to claim that they didn't get any financial information, I can use that information to spearfish somebody, and I can act like I know them, or just start doing a lot of recon on them, figuring out what they're into, what they like, and just start how they do fishing now. They start a conversation and get you to click a link, and that's how I can get you. So, Directly? No. Indirectly, yes, they can cause them some harm. So let me stop sharing for a second. For situations like this, I use third-party Aura, which is a company that can get your information removed from websites. They can block robocalls. It has a password manager in the app, VPN, you name it. But if you click the link that's in my description, you can get a free 14-day trial of Aura and you can try it out for yourself. I used it and guess what? It had information removed within seconds. And You can also add all your emails that you have. It'll monitor those. And it'll tell you if those have been found on the dark web. And it also can monitor financial transactions as well. So in a situation like this, maybe your account got hacked and you didn't know about it. You say, hmm, what is this? Aura uses AI to alert you. It has 24-hour customer service. And yeah, that's why they're one of the best platforms around. So if this interests you and you don't want to be like the 23andMe people, use my link in the description, Aura, to get your identity protected now. But yeah, man, that is that is so wild. That is so wild that companies do, would try to do things like that in order to n- not have to pay. I get it, but take some responsibility now, and that's why I always tell y'all, when it comes to breaches, you also got to pay for the stuff that happened in the breach. But now to repair your reputation costs even more money. And what they are doing now is single-handedly destroying their reputation. Whoever is in charge there should have told them this is not a good look to try to blame the people, when you should put in controls to protect their information for this very thing. So that's just, that's absurd. Let me, let me see what else is on the docket today. Give me a second. All right. So we got one, it's like a law firm that handles breaches. was hit. I want to, I want to see what they say. Cause it's like, it's crazy. Like you always hear companies, are uh, security companies, sometimes they handle stuff, but then they get hit. It's like, dang, Y'all supposed to be top of the top, but this is a law firm. And this is why I say cyber is needed everywhere. So think about it. Y'all think of cybersecurity just as one and cups of thing, but then you gotta start thinking of the sub-industries. They need cybersecurity in legal. So this goes back to when people are going from different backgrounds and trying to go to different places. And I'm like, yo, if you've been working illegal, you want to get in cybersecurity, look for cybersecurity jobs in legal. They need you, you understand legal systems and how it works on a day-to-day basis. You might got a better chance of getting a job in the legal industry versus trying to go to a different industry. But let's keep on reading this. Law firm that handles data breaches was hit by a data breach. An international law firm that works with companies affected by security incidents has experienced its own cyber attack that exposed the sensitive health information of hundreds of thousands of data breach victims. San Francisco based Oric, parenting and Sutcliffe said last week the hackers stole the personal information and sensitive health data of more than 637,000 data breach victims from a file share on his network drive during the intrusion in March 2023. Dang. So they said last week, that was the last week of December last week. So pretty much for nine months, them boys had was dealing with a big incident and nobody knew. OREC works with companies that are hit by security incidents, including data breaches, to handle regulatory requirements, such as obtaining victims' information in order to notify the state authorities and individuals affected. In a series of data breach notification letters sent to affected individuals, OREC said the hackers stole range of data from his systems that pertain to security incidents at other companies during which OREC served as legal counsel. OREC said that the breach of systems involved in his client's data included individuals who have visions, plans with Insurance John, Ahmed, Vision Care, and those who had dental plans for Delta Dental. Ooh. Hey, I got Delta Dental. Mm, We'll see. Healthcare Insurance Network, John, that provides dental coverage to millions of Americans. Org also said it notified health insurance company Multiplan Behavioral Health, John, Beacon Health Options, known as Caroline, and the U.S. Small Business Administration that their data was also compromised in Org's data breach. Oryx said the stolen data include consumer names, date of birth, postal address, email addresses, and government issued identification numbers, such as social security numbers, passport and driver license numbers, and tax identification numbers. The data also includes medical treatment and diagnosis information. That's a lot. The number of individuals known to be affected by the data breach nearly has risen by threefold since Oryx first to close the incident. Oryx said the most recent data breach noticed that it does not anticipate providing notifications on behalf of additional businesses, but did not say Howard canceled this conclusion. It's not clear how the hackers initially broke into Org's network or whether the hackers demanded a financial ransom for the law firm. Org would not answer TechCrunch questions about the incident. Org spokesperson, Org spokesperson Jolie Goldstein said in a statement, We regret the inconvenience and distraction that this malicious incident caused. We made it our priority to resolve it as quickly as possible for our clients, the individuals whose data was impacted in our team. In December, Oreck told a San Francisco federal court that it reached an agreement in principle to resolve four class action law which accused Oreck for failing to inform victims of the breach until months after the incident. I agree. And that's the crazy thing. I need to look up, and and, and let's look up right now. I know if you, I believe you're like a traded company, you gotta say something about a breach in a certain amount of time. I don't, if you're if like, you're probably on, I don't think it's the same thing. Let me double check. So I type this in and it says all affected individuals and the media, if applicable, must be notified without unreasonable delay, but within 60 days of discovery of the breach. If fewer than 500 individuals were affected, the FTC must be notified within 60 days after the end of the calendar year. Uh, let's see if we got anything else. I'm not going to do that by state. I just want to see if there's something. I'm not going to get into this, but this is actually something good to look up when you're thinking about if you're in GRC and you're doing all these controls and your plans these are the things you're probably going to go through and figure out, OK, when we need to notify these people to breach, you're going to work with legal and all these different things. They kind of keep a, a hold on these things. But it's cool to understand this from a different way. Because, like I said, everything has its place in cyber. So I just want you to know that now. Uh, Let's see. Like I said, I told you guys earlier about R. R is cool. I still use it right now and I think everybody's liked it. So if you definitely need help with your passwords and keeping yourself safe on the Internet, please check it out. Um. So, I'm going to share this tab real quick. Goldman Sachs is heck, the number one trait bosses look for before hiring anyone. Let's see. The difference between getting a job offer and a rejection can often be boiled down to one word, enthusiasm. All other things being equal, a candidate who walks into a job interview with a positive attitude and an eagerness to work will have an edge over one who comes off as bored or apathetic, says Chicano Bass, an executive at Goldman Sachs. Being energized and enth- enthusiastic about a role is the top green flag hiring managers look for in a job interview as Bass, who serves as Goldman Sachs, head of talent strategy. The def- I hate the term human capital. I do not like that term at all. This reminds me of slaves or something. They need to change that. It makes a ton of difference, she explains. Anyone can do the research, but showing the genuine excitement about the role and bringing energy to the conversation is a lot more memorable than someone who sounds monotone or like they're reading off a script. I agree. I agree. I- when it comes to interviewing, and this is something I talked about in my vlog video that I'll probably be releasing, I don't know, in, coming out eventually. When it comes to interviewing, you have to have some type of personality, charisma, enthusiasm that makes people like you, that they want to work with you, all the while also being able to do the stuff required to do in the role. So it seems kind of hard. How y'all see me on here is the charisma that I bring in interviews. It's not a. Uh, let's see if we can do an example. Like, I'll say, like, think about if I was, like, when I was reading some of this stuff earlier, like, um, actually, I'll try to just read something that I can show you a difference. So, this is a way, like they say, like, being what's called it. If I said, it makes a ton of difference, she explains, anyone can do the research, but showing genuine excitement about the role and bringing energy to the conversation is a lot more... You'd be like, what? But if I say, It makes a ton of difference. She explains anyone could do the research, but showing genuine excitement about the role and bringing energy to the conversation is a lot more memorable than someone who sounds monotone or like they're reading off a script. That sounded totally different. I read the same thing. You got to be like that in the the interview. So instead of saying, hey, how you doing? I'm so and so, blah, blah, blah. You know, say, good morning. Good morning. It's nice to meet you. My name is Henry Davis, and I've been doing yada, 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 yada and I do this, this, and this. And I'd be good for the job because this, and this is the value that I believe I could bring to company A. Right there, I'm energetic. I'm right there, I'm energetic. I know what I'm talking about, and they're going to be excited to listen to me. They're going to perk up a little bit. Now, whether I know how to do all the technical stuff or not, but the fact that I came in like that and I'm looking at you like this, they're going to like that. So, this is why it is a skill to interview. And they are definitely right when they're talking about showing uh energetic. And also just sometimes, too, is like depending on like they do actually this thing about when you interview them or before you interview, you possibly have a disability or anything like that. So it's not poking fun of people with disabilities. But depending on also how you talk, if you talk a little slower or something like that, you make and just they might not be feeling with it or feeling with it. And it's more important. We're going to get back to the article. But when you're also interviewing we're listening, we're actively listening back and forth. So when they ask me something, a direct question, give them a direct answer. And then towards the end is when you can kind of venture off and get in your bag. Or you can if you already know how to solve the problem or something they gave you, you can flip it on them and tell them how you did it. So let's keep reading a little bit of this article. That being said, showing too much passion can be output into some employers, Bass Lawrence. You should seem enthusiastic but not so excited as you come across as a super fan of the organization of someone who might have unrealistic expectations for the role. That's a fact. It's the same thing that happens with dating. It's like a medium level like, you gotta be cool but not over cool. It's like, if you get the chick number, I used to do this when I was younger and I had to learn and had no big brother. I used to like certain people a lot and I would well, they used to think it was aggravating, but I really liked them. So I messaged them and stuff all the time. They don't, nobody like that. So I'm just saying it's a similar thing when it comes to the job market. Now you get that number, you maybe don't, maybe you text them one day and then you don't text them for three or whatever days or something like that. You kind of just make their mind wonder or whatever. But you got to bring the enthusiasm and the charisma here when you meet these people, but also not come off as like, I'm desperate. Like when I listened to some of my clients' interviews before, I was like, you pushing too hard. You're you selling too hard. Like you got to relax. I saying that. So I know the people that they're in inter- the people that's interviewing them think that. So you have to know when you're pushing too hard and kind of reel it back and like, uh, I don't know about that, Chief. So they are definitely right on this one. Let's see about this one. But showing enthusiasm isn't all about body language. You can tell how energized someone is about an opportunity based on how seamlessly they're able to weave in their knowledge of any major news, initiatives, or changes at the organization or the broader industry. They're hoping to work in to the conversation. Exactly. Remember I said, hey, know what you're talking about, answer direct questions, but then start talking about different things later. This is why I read stuff like this to you. This is why we covered the breaches earlier. You got to know all these things and try to put them together, especially if you're in cyber so you can, because they might ask you how you keeping up. So just being aware of so many things, you have some answers, you have some good insight. You can even find yourself about them. Like but for me, I try to research everybody I interview before I interview and just see what they like to do and where they work or, one of the easiest things is learn about the company values, learn about the company news. You can just throw it in there somewhere and say, yeah, I seen y'all did this. I I have it on tape when I did this before. <laughs> so just realize that. going to extra matter think not just about what you are going to say in a job interview, but how you're going to say it can help you stand out from other candidates as best. It's an easy step to forget about. When you're nervous for an interview or busy memorizing facts about the organization, but being prepared to have a thoughtful conversation when you get to the interview is the best way to show that this is an opportunity you take seriously and are excited about. I totally agree. This is a great article from her out to her and she's a sister, so she's going to keep it real with you. I, I like the article a lot. I think this will be some great insight for people to understand like how to approach interviewing. Got to show, like I said, be enthused, be informed, be charismatic, but also be you. Don't try to do stuff that's not you, but also still be enthusiastic. But, hey, but you know this would not be a podcast without me reacting to some TikTok content. So, let's get over to it. As a black man. You have to cut your hair and move up in this
1: world, brother. A key point he's saying is that he called his great-grandmother for advice and she was like, cut your hair so you can get a job. So let the rest of what he's saying fly over your head. Fresh out of college, my brother had braids. He dominated this one interview, but at the very end, this person was like, are you willing to make changes to work for us? My brother said, like, what do you mean? They said, cut your hair. My brother said, no. He called me after and we talking about it. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. You're going to hear that a lot. My brother was like, it is what it is. I'm going to find somewhere that wants to hire me for me. His very next interview, like, I think... I'll say a week or two turnaround, honestly, because, you know, if you're looking for a job, you already know you're pushing out applications. He walks in, the guy interviewing him, black man, long locks down his back, and he got the job. I've had different roles myself and have looked like this in all of them. Corporate, specific fields. One thing older generation hates is that we don't have to conform, but they also were taught to. So I'm giving, you know, him some grace. But do not work anywhere that you have to change yourself for them. So... This
0: is a, a good topic. It may be a stream of its own one day when we talk about hair with black people, or you want to say any type of uh ethnicity that has different type of style hair traditionally from white people. Now, you guys see me, beard, uh, fresh fade. I've always been like this growing up. My dad pretty much was always like cut his hair and, and you know, get his beard and stuff lined up. So I think and I'm going to get somewhere with this, but I think a lot of this grows up on what you look to, what you aspire to be different. Like the kids, that the Gen Zers. Well, I can't say that because even in my age, you had the, the period where the cornrows, tall tees, uh, Iverson and all them, people want to be like that. Um, for me, I didn't necessarily really care for that. I think at one point in time, I, I honestly, too, I could never really grow my hair for a long time because I got tired of it. I didn't like maintaining it. So that's a thing as well. But if we if we want to get into a corporate America, Type of conversation. This is different. I have not seen a lot of people in higher levels of leadership, especially when I'm talking to black people that had braids or locks, but it's a new age. Now I know people that are in corporate America that are in certain levels that have locks, that have braids. So I won't say you got to cut your hair to move up. Like the person in the video said, if the people want you to change yourself for them. That's not the place that you need to be because first it's going to start with your hair. Then they're going to say, change how you dress. Then they're going to start saying, change how you talk and all this other stuff. And then by the time you get out the job, you're not going to be you anymore. There are some people I've seen on TikTok where they have this. And I, I look, y'all know me. I got to keep real. They got this. I like to make white people comfortable voice. And that's how they talk. I was like, I know they don't really talk like that. And that may be a job that makes you do that if you have to do A, B, and C to get the job. If you already a person that got this or or that or whatever is cool, how you look, and I want to say that's what the crown act is for, how my hair looking this styled and everything else has no bearings on my ability to do the role. So keep that in mind. Don't let them make you feel like you got to cut your hair to belong. Stand out. It's okay. Now, what I will say about the locks and stuff like that, y'all brothers got to keep them up. Don't make them be looking dirty and stuff. Like, keep your hair up. When it come to hair, or you want to just rock a fro, keep it lined up, keep your beard like... At least maintain it. At least look good in what you're going to do. Don't have it just looking, oh, I just want to be like, no. Look like you took pride in the way you came, that you woke up, like we talked about earlier, with Gen Z in the interviews. So that's what I would say with that. I really never had no problem with that. And I, th- I think another one I want to talk about one day is names. Black people want names on resumes. And why do some people want to change their name to a white sounding name on their resume to get a call back versus their name they were born with. I think that's a real big one that we ain't talked about that much. And we're going to talk about it maybe on, on live stream one day when uh, Destiny and some other people join me. But all in all, I would say you don't have to. I think back then you had to, but I think now it's a new age and they're not... Well, openly, they're not saying anything about your hair. But because you can never prove that, that's not why you got hired. Unless they, you know, told you that verbatim, like the guy said that about his hair. But It is what it is, man. Be you, take care of yourself. Take pride in yourself. Look good, smell good, feel good. That's what I believe in. But we got another one, and this one is more of a controversial take, but I agree with it. And y'all can be like, why would you agree with that and you do with resumes? I'm going to show you. I made a TikTok about it, but I'm gonna talk about it here.
1: I just don't fucking like them, and I think that that should be okay. And it's not even that I don't like them. I just don't think that they actually provide what the fuck they say that they do. They do provide what they say they do. They don't provide what you need. That's the better statement. I am talking about resume writer. A lot of people think, you know what? I just need a resume writer, I just need to fix my resume. Everything's gonna be solved if I fix my resume. But let me let me explain something to you real quick. Thing one, a resume writer's job is just that to write a resume, which means you could tell them I want you to write a resume for me to be a space engineer, and they will write one. Now, do you have the- qualifications to be a space engineer. Have they had any communications with you about what type of job might be a good fit, why this job would be good or bad? Like
0: listen, right here I'm I'm with her on all this and I'm gonna expound more
1: no because their job is to write a resume i know so many of you who are so frustrated because like y'all spent hundreds of dollars i paid somebody to do my resume and the shit's still not working i could make you a great resume to be a space engineer that will not then somehow make you qualify so before you jump on the resume writing train i know it's the end of the year everybody wants to get their resumes and stuff done to like start the new year off right i want you to consider career strategy that is what we do this is a more holistic approach because oftentimes people skip the first couple of steps and they step straight to the fucking resume what are you what are you getting your resume done for are you optimizing it for what are you setting it up for what are you getting it rewritten for what fucking job how'd you figure out that job do you have the skill set for the job do you know whether or not you have the skills if you don't have the skill set do you know how long it'll take you to get those skills do you know if that job isn't like an upswing in the industry or if it's in a backswing all of these questions you don't have to answer because we answer them for you when you work with us resume writers are cool i'm not mad at them we technically write resume but we're not resume writers you more often than not need more and that's why
0: so I 100% emphatically agree with what she said. And why is that? Because I'm the same way as a career coach. I don't do resumes just to do your resume. If that's the case, I could make way more money than I made career coaching if I just wanted to do your resume. You can ask people when they do consults and we look at it, I'll say, OK, cool. I can work with this. You got a foundation. You got skills. Hey, let's get it done if you don't got no skills and you're trying to get me a resume done out of me, like some people have booked the resume from me and they had no skills. And I just like, it ain't much I can really do with this. You're trying to get in a, a tech job, but you ain't got no tech skills. I wish you wouldn't have booked this because that's what it is. I tell people all the time, the contents on your resume is more important than the format. If you hadn't did anything, how are you going to train? How are you going to have a good job or trying to get land a better job without proving anything, proving any skills, proving any projects. Now, Sure, if people can say, oh, you can embellish or allow on a resume. I can allow on everybody's resume and make them look good, but they can't talk to that in the interview. So, that's a bad point. And she's right when it comes to the strategies. When, when we do our consults and preferably you guys do the hour sessions, that's like really the best time, to be honest. 30 minutes is like, unless you just need a little bit of advice, if you need a whole lot of advice, do the hour session with me. But, we start going through, okay, you need these skills. Look at this job description. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. Th- the strategy of actually trying to figure out what you need and how to land the job and building your network up versus just getting you a resume and telling you to apply. Everybody can't do that because everybody does not have supreme skills. Everyone's strategy is off. People don't know what they need to learn. They're learning all these other stuff. I'm saying, hey, stop learning all this and focus on this. This is where you need to be. This is where you sound most comfortable at. You might be struggling over here. Career strategy. That's what I bring as well. So I'm with her all the way. And if I had a million dollars for every time I redid a resume, that somebody said they either got a resume writer or some free freelance writer on Fiverr to do, I'd be rich. Because y'all are getting, i won't to say y'all are getting had. Some of you get some good resumes, but they're not very good tech resumes. Versus having a functional tech resume. Some of you guys are getting these very fancily done resumes that's not helping you out all These different text boxes and all these different layouts aesthetically, it might look nice, but it doesn't work that well when it comes to applying the jobs. Recruiters don't care about that. Keep it simple, stupid. That's the kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid, and you'll be okay. But guys, this is the end of the episode. How did you guys enjoy the solo episode? By itself, I got some heat coming up for you guys in person. I'm lining the guests up, like I said earlier. Check out the Patreon. Please subscribe to the Patreon. That is how we are really going to move this thing into the next level. Also, guys, if you want a resume from me, please get a tech resume from me right now. I have a special going on, and that is if you get the resume from me, you get access to my group coaching videos, and not only current videos, but the future videos that I will add to the folders. So this is the way that you can pretty much get coached I mean, for a good price and get the stuff that I will not share on YouTube. Because I just can't. Who knows? See, I have people watching my channel. I can't share all that stuff. But the stuff that I share amongst my clients has helped them. And I wanted to help you. So if you are interested in getting your resume redone, you have skills, and you want to get coached by me, but virtually, then get your tech resume done. Book right now when you see this video. And I got you. And trust me, I know you're going to find a job that pay you more, and you're going to appreciate it. But it's your boy, HD. Like I always say, true. And your boy is out. Peace.